1: wherever you get your podcasts. The Left Wing Podcast is in association with Aldi Play Rugby, feeding the future of Irish rugby in over 1,200 primary schools nationwide. They okay, were, well, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, off it.
2: Hello and welcome to the left wing independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Aldi. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio as always on Champions Cup quarter final week by Luke Vistrell. Luke, hello. Will, how are we? I'm good, thank you, and this being the week that it is, there was actually something I wanted to ask you about that we've never spoken about in the podcast, I was actually surprised it had never come up, one of the biggest, most controversial moments in European rugby history, it's a 10 year anniversary of Bloodgate, Bloodgate Leinster versus Jesus. Harlequins, Bloodgate. Is that on a few weeks? So, what, oh, know, it's few... not the exact 10 year to the day, like, but it's uh, quarter final stage. I thought you were a detail, it's, it's It really was wrong. April 12th in 2009, I'll have you know. Nicely done, yeah. Um... um yeah. So yeah,
1: I just wanted to get your thoughts. You couldn't wait till the semi-final to make the car, you make the connection between the two. No, it was a semi-final. It was a quarter-final. Ah, I was sorry. I mean, <laughs> Munster. Sorry, Jesus. My apologies. Christ. Sorry, I'm clearly not a details guy. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. You you, me in the this next. Is, is, yeah, you beat Munster. <laughs> back, kind of a big deal. Oh God, That's we have pathetic. our Leinster reunion that dinner in, in, uh,
1: after. Was it uh, in, in May? Get <laughs> the details right. And they're like, "Have you got any good stories?" And I'm like. I have the memory of a goldfish. Who team. are you again? Michael Checo? I was your coach. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Martin, is it? <laughs> so your name is
1: Martin? Oh, I'm like, you're asking the wrong person. I, I don't remember anything about those things. Um, bar like certain instances in games, I'll have like a real clear memory of them. But other than that, nada. No, a great game. Great game. <laughs> well, yeah. It was, uh, it was a, very a great title. Not a great lead one. into my answer. No, it I certainly isn't. Is, but look, let's get to it. Yeah. Um, I'll try and give you some brief memories from it. Yeah. I remember actually having a, a really bad collision in the air. Mm. And uh, I think it was Nick Easter. He should have got, uh, should have got nearly a yellow card of Sinbin. I actually did a full somersault. Yeah. Straight I'm sure if you it. saw
2: it now, I'm sure it would be a straight right card. But like oh, 100%. I literally did a
1: full somersault. <laughs> do, you, do you remember it? And no. I remember, it, was at the, it was from a kickoff. And literally, I got a great leap into it. I hit his, my foot hit his shoulder. Like just clipped it. I went boom, a full flip, a full like somersault. <laughs> it was an unbelievable collision. I was lucky; I didn't break my neck. To be honest with you, uh, great game, really tense, Six a, five. They were excellent. They were actually a good team. You know, I was Mark and Ugo Mony at the time. I think um, they won
2: all their pool games. As memory serves, I think it was that a different year. But I can't remember. Well, it. they obviously got the home quarters, yeah, so they,
1: they were good. Like quarter, so, yeah. there, there was. St- it's, it's a tricky place to play yeah. in, in, in the stoop. It's kind of like it's kind of wet and stodgy or something. It's never really. They have They a lot of quick guys Like Danny Kerr And Ugo And these guys And Mike Brown obviously Tom
2: Williams To Tom become Williams. Like
1: a central figure Later in the story Oh god <laughs> Poor old Tom Williams Yeah And um yeah, they were good. Like he, it was a Dean Richards, wasn't it the coach? Yeah, yeah he's uh, another central figure. central figure in the scandal. Uh <laughs> yeah, like it was it was cr- pretty crazy well, what I do was you remember the talk. What do you remember? Do you remember anything about like nah. the play, did the players were any awareness of what was going on? No, no. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't I, I was just too engrossed in the game to really figure it out. Um and plus, you're, when you're far away from the action, you're kind of thinking about different things. So yeah. uh, I just remember it was a really tight, tense game. I remember I had a nice, a lovely bit of cover. Danny Carey made a great break and I chip one over the top. One with a, and I and I just got back just in time to to save the day. Uh, there was who else? I thought Philippe had a great game that day. Kicked the ball really well. Rob Kearney had an excellent game. Um, the pack really dug in I remember Big Mal had a good game that day so it was a real team effort over there defence was really you know it was stingy at that time we had a really good defence obviously Trico and Darcy in the centre so anytime you have a very strong combination like that in the centres it, it's always difficult to beat a team with good centres it really is honestly because lots of, lots of play flows through them lots of your momentum flows through them your defence is kind of led by them because they're usually the guys on the edge
2: so very strong it, team we had. It, out. It's, it's funny. I, I that was it was a Sunday and it was a double header of quarterfinals. Munster played the Ospreys in Thomond Park earlier in the day, and I was actually at that game. And Munster won like forty five. Oh,
1: smashed them. I played yeah. up a leave,
2: but Like Warwick was dropping goals in halfway. Earl's like scored like an eighty meter try. Maffie that time. got him
1: selected for the because yeah. the Lions selection was quite yeah, close. After, it was the Monday. It was the Monday And Munster had yeah. like
2: eight guys in it. I remember Maffey played so well. People were like, "Oh, if he was Irish qualified, he'd be in the Lions <laughs> as well." <laughs> but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then I went to watch the game afterwards, and it was just such a contrast. A six five like the real one of the tightest games of rugby like I've seen in Europe ah
1: it was a great game to be involved in obviously all the scandal afterwards was kind
2: of I always thought that this was the most overblown it was bad what they did, but Dean Rangers just got banned for three years. The doctor got completely shattered. No, the doctor yeah, they all did, was, they they got a, s- they got s- got a huge severe warning on their I, I, I just from from your point of view, you were playing in the game. Like did you think the punishment fit the crime there? Like what was the reaction in the changing room? Did you guys care? Talk I know you'd won the game, but
1: Well, if we'd lost the game, you probably would have been pretty disappointed. I think
2: like I you have
1: to take the incidents. Uh, like uh, on its own merits yeah. you know and like he was trying to deceive everyone at the game or I was lucky it was our manager a guy called Ron O'Donnell who was always kind of engrossed in the games he's one of those guys who really I like, remember
2: that on TV he was yeah. the guy like and I didn't know what he was shouting he was really agitated he was like look at that look at that
1: but he's like a real Leinster supporter <laughs> as well Like, as, as well as being involved in the team like he's, like he's been with Leinster for I'm going to say close to 15 years mm and uh, he, he, at one stage he was nearly banned from the touchdown because he's <laughs> so into the game you know he'd be like roaring at the touch judges at the referee <laughs> everything but he spotted he was on the ball he's a really kind of smart guy um, spotted what they were doing saw the all the angles saw the, obviously you know Tom Williams winking and all <laughs> yeah, this yeah, of winking. Yeah.
2: Pump, it was the worst one ever
1: in rugby history bit of a bungalow moan for him <laughs> and uh, yeah so look it was pretty crazy going on Good, like I suppose it's good that he spotted it someone yeah. on the touchline was, was obviously aware of what was happening and what they were trying to do, I actually think it it actually went against him in the end because he was playing on one foot, like he was. Or one he leg. walk? No, it, there was. It, I know, Nick, like as much as he, he's a brilliant player, the I can't remember the the guy who came on from, but he was actually playing quite well. Like he was a solid ten. He was like their backup ten, um, and he'd actually done a decent job since he came on. So they probably would have been better off just keeping him mm. on. So. Uh, I actually thought it, it actually played against him in the end but I think you have to take the the, the thing on its own merits The all the, the kind of play acting around yeah. it and kind of trying to deceive the officials off the pitch I felt really bad for the doctor because he would have been pressured but that just shows you if you're a doctor you have to completely remove yourself from all that stuff and you need to have someone who's actually acting honestly it's uh, you know look that person got shafted, whoever they were. I believe they got a serious reprimand. Um, Tom Williams got a year. Dean Richards got three Tom years. Got a year, like that was awful. That's a
2: long way yeah, That's a
1: read. That is like considering the players just doing what the coach said. Like I think th- to go beyond into the players was uh, it's difficult because there's no way if a coach did that you're going to be saying no.
2: Yeah.
1: You know you're not going to do that. I know myself. If the, if Michael Check had said go down with
2: an injury, I'm like okay, they're going down
1: with an injury. Yeah. I know I would have. so th-
2: I honestly, I, I people might. Give out, not give out to me, but I think I'm an idiot for saying. But I, I didn't think it was that, I, that bad. Like,
1: well, not from the other perspective, but from the coach's perspective, I don't think it's a three-year ban. But it's not a three. That's
2: my thing. I won not a three or w- Three seasons. That's 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 insane. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: But look, he's come back very strong. Yeah, he a good job in no, Newcastle. Fair, like, yeah, no, but, but I I, look, it, I think it, that's probably. You, you're probably take a stance on that because you're kind of saying well we're just stamping this out mm. this is never happening again the punishment is too severe for other people even to consider doing it um, and As it's not it's really, not, it it really is, though on a though, serious though. note it is against the spirit of the game like very 100%. much so I'm not saying it shouldn't have been punished yeah and I know yeah. you're not saying that but I think that's what they were trying to do and they definitely achieved that and could you imagine if like he
2: had scored that penalty all hell would have broken loose afterwards Like,
1: yeah well I wonder what, what could have like I, I would say there's probably quite a good chance that they'd be um, thrown out
2: and you would yeah, we probably would have gone through anyway,
1: um, yeah. I think. You'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's why I'm saying all hell would have broken. It would have gone
2: probably to, yeah. the court for arbitration for sport or something like
1: that. Yeah, it could well have. I suppose maybe the turnaround time for those things would have been too like you probably couldn't change it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like it was it was a it overshadowed what was a, a fantastic match yeah. and a brilliant game of rugby because it was a serious achievement for that Lencer team and a real turning point. We still went into that Munster game as massive underdogs. So I remember doing the media that week, and no one gave us a chance because they'd hockeyed us. in the Even in the RDS that year, they'd hockeyed us. Yeah. I think mean, it was 18. 18-0 nothing nothing in the nothing RDS,
2: like 22-5 f- in Thalman. I remember I was handed off Keane Healy for a try. It's like, that what? was down in Tholman's. Yeah, that no, was a replay. Oh, sorry, right, yeah, one, yeah, no.
1: The one in the RDS was more damning. They yeah. smashed us in our own patch. So uh, we were definitely concerned going into it, but... Um, yeah, like it was, a, it was a great little
2: period to be involved in, ah, like yeah. Obviously, all the we hijinks. F- we, we should definitely do a podcast on the Lens and again, the 10 year anniversary, like in a few weeks' time, because that, sure that, sure, oh, that's right on your hand. Munster equals semi final, Harlequins equals quarter final. So you remember <laughs> it for your when you're telling your anecdotes at this dinner. <laughs> uh, I'll have to brush that up was, before that was embarrassing But on that note, from past. Quarterfinals to the present. Glad to be joined in the studio by Keane Tracy, the Irish Independent, and Keane's European Quarterfinal weekend. Traditionally, one of the most exciting weekends of the year. We have eight games across three days. All oh, four Irish provinces are in action, but I'm not feeling very enthusiastic. I'm feeling a bit flat from the Six Nations. My enthusiasm levels are low. I don't think we have a great lineup this weekend. You seem to be more excited than me, so give me a give me a hard <laughs> sell, give me a good sell, because I'm losing the will to live here. This is meant to be a great weekend of rugby, but I just can't get a look, get, get up for it. Can't get
1: what? Can't uh, <laughs>
2: Jesus, I I can't believe that. We're supposed to be that in because I'm massive enough to be condo my Friday, <laughs> my,
1: my, Friday, my I know you get excited by rugby, but jeez, that's a bit much. Uh, man, I, I I'm surprised, very surprised to hear that, Mister Rugby. Yeah, not I'm excited just, by not an Interpro, it. a quarterfinal not, not Interpro.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm with Luke here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the for me, the Six Nations really dragged towards the end. I think that was probably, well, it was mainly down to how Ireland were playing. It's always easier to write about a winning team. And I don't know, I guess I was at the Leinster press conference yesterday. I was at the Ulster one today. So you got kind of get a feel for it. But yeah, I, I can't wait. I think... Um like Luke said, a sold-out Interpro quarter-final with I mean, a fifteen-point spread pre-match. Yeah, Ulster so. are up against it. N- there's no doubt about it. But I'm sure we'll get properly into the reasons why you know <coughs> it might not be such a foregone conclusion. I think Munster Edinburgh is a cracking game. A couple of years ago, you would have said that. Yeah, Munster will will stroll that. But this Edinburgh team are pretty good. So yeah, and even you look at the other games, Saracens Glasgow. Okay, they met each other already in racing Toulouse. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I have to say. Um, I'd like to change the scene. I think um, having been in Leinster yesterday, it was interesting to talk to... Couple of players, Jordan Larmour, Jack Conan and you know they were sort of saying that they feel refreshed having been out of the bubble of Carton House. And I don't know, I kind of feel a bit like that as well, not having to drive out there, you know, a couple of times a week as well. So um, yeah, I don't know, I, I'm I'm well up for this. I can't wait uh, for maybe it. Maybe I just have still a
2: post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> from Cardiff train station, the, the bedlam afterwards, but uh, I've still not got back into. what where the result was. <laughs> Jesus, the result. No, you what well, you needed to be at the train station as far <laughs> the as, far the, combi- as far. the combination. Yeah. So I guess well, the interest is to see how the players do bounce back from, from that. As Keane said, it really did drag towards the end. That Six Nations. Mm. It'd be interesting to see how the, the big players do bounce back. Leinster and Ulster is obviously the most exciting game, I guess, on paper.
1: Yeah, I think it probably is. Uh, you're hoping, hopefully, we get a, this. This kind of good bout of weather uh, stays with us. The worry is that you know when people are coming back into camp, that you kind of get uh, that little bit of malaise in terms of getting used to calls, getting used to different ways of playing. And different things like that, so some of those factors you know will they play into the quality of the game i don 't think so I think as as Keane alluded to there, I think people will probably be refreshed they 'll be happy they 're in a new environment, maybe back in a place where you 're more you know more relaxed kind of in your own house. all those little small factors that kind of you 're thinking this it, it can build towards a big one here it can build towards a good performance for both players, and I actually think that's, you know, Leinster would be disappointed with how they played last weekend. And I'm kind of, it had me a little bit worried as a Leinster supporter, but as a neutral, I think it probably tightens thing, things up. I'm surprised to hear the spread is that why? because I actually think Ulster have, bar the, bar the second centre situation, they have, a good, they have a good team out here. They can, they can compete with Leinster. If they don't get any injuries throughout the game, that's obviously a big ask. Their first 15 are, are strong. And they're, they're going to be difficult. They've got a good kicker. Uh, their pack is strong, which is the key thing against Leinster. Can they survive? Can they mm. stop Leinster getting momentum in those tight exchanges? Leinster's first pack, and kind of, well actually their, their, their pack and their subs in the pack it's they're bloody hard to contain in there, and if they get it, if they get momentum in there, and if they get on top of you in the pack,
2: um, they're really difficult to stop. Just before we get kind of more into the game and and that kind of thing, just what what do you reckon the Leinster camp was like this week after so many of their big players who'll be playing this weekend had disappointing finishes? Um, you know, what would Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster do? You think have been doing to try to get to pick up the confidence, or, or will they just go in and? Sit? treated as business as usual. Will they, will they even take the time to kind of try to do that kind of thing? No, they won't take the time. It's
1: business as usual in there. They try and reintegrate people as quickly as they can, get guys out training, getting them used to the small little intercalls and interplays amongst each other. They'll have set out a plan fairly early from last week. I wouldn't be surprised if they were they had separate teams training last week. Um, probably something similar to what you'd probably see in the starting 15 from a Leinster perspective. And Ulster would probably have done something similar. If not, I'd be fairly surprised to be honest and usually what you get is they might have the calls already teed up for this week and usually that's what most teams will have done they've done all their research they've looked at Ulster's last five or six games and they've said, okay, let's pinpoint a move here, there, and Ulster. Likewise, they'll have looked at Leinster and say, well, what stops Leinster getting you know momentum in games, and and, and what's how, how can we stop Leinster? How can we exploit different things in Leinster's defense? So they'll have prepped all the moves. I think the, the Leinster guys were probably back into camp
0: or back into sorry Leinster camp. Um, they, I they think it was on Wednesday. the Wednesday. Yeah, they, re- on they the were on Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I think as far as we were told, anyway, like most of them were, but that wasn't the case for Munster and Ulster. Like we know for a fact that a few yeah, of their holidays, yeah. a few of their guys were allowed to go away. So. I think that's very interesting that Leinster wanted to get them in yeah. and you're right they have been running separate teams since Wednesday so yeah. they're not messing around here either like you Remember know this so. time last year I Trashed Conor Murray for going on holidays. To the <laughs> the Geelong game. How dare he! Yeah. How dare he have a social life? And account. he played bloody great. Yeah, yeah he so played pretty well. It's,
1: it's interesting. Some people will, will the, the week off will be very beneficial, mm. but I do think it puts a lot of pressure on that first part of the week, the Monday, Tuesday, yeah, where you does, really, yeah, have yeah, to no, that was the point I made last year. It's
2: just like for the such a big quarter final to just come back in on a Monday and have to be ready to go on Saturday is a, a pretty tall order. I would have thought. And Edinburgh looks like a, t- a tall order. Mm. Oh, I think their pack
1: looks really strong. Their set yeah. piece was brilliant against Leinster, even when the Leinster props, you know, the the experienced guys come on. Your Jack McGrath and um, and Andrew Porter come on. Your two internationals come on. They didn't look unbelievably stable in there. And they caused a lot of trouble in line That mall looks very, very strong. So that, that's a tough ask too. And there's lots of internationals in that Scottish team who have got a bit of confidence, I think, from that last fixture, fixture particularly against England. So even though it was only a draw, they come in with a bit of confidence. And they looked like they were playing good rugby. And they beat Leinster fairly comprehensively, even though it was a it was a uh, an understrength Leinster team um, and they're expecting a big crowd and this is building nicely for them. I think that back row, I know we're jumping from fixture to fixture yeah. here, but...
0: The excitement, the excitement oh, yeah, yeah, The excitement is going Come on Will yeah, yeah. Join, join, really join us Join yeah. us For God's sake Join us
1: But I think that back row Poses, or poses a serious problem mm. For any team They'll Barkley's come up against massive back Hamish he? Adams What is the story I don't, I don't what, get it It doesn't Watson. make sense Watson yeah. Sorry excuse me doesn't make sense yeah. It doesn't He's not that big But he just Barrels through guys I don't get it He was like Nelson Mons In that game He's just running around he's
2: Like the big guy in Remember John Aloma rugby But he's not Same impact And Bill Mata Is just <laughs> Phenomenal player as well in, the, in number eight. Like his offloading, the one against
0: Toulon was one of the greatest offloads yeah. I think I've ever seen. That, that back row is a serious match for anyone in Europe. Yeah. I think like John Barkley, like only made his debut last week, long awaited, but he's absolutely massive. him like I yeah. said, Hamish Watson was brilliant in the Six Nations. I know he had a bit of an injury, and then like you said, Mata just brings it all together. And even they they got him to sign up, didn't they, for another yeah. couple yeah. of years, which is massive because you think of the money that the French clubs would have thrown at a player yeah. oh, like yeah. that. Well, so I um, can see him at with Nakawara, You know, two yeah, octopuses
2: in one back row. It is
0: it shows, I suppose, with the job that Richard Cockrell is doing, their players are really buying into this. So this is a very tricky game, and especially that horrible twelve forty-five kickoff. It's that does make things. Does that, I really feel like that does make a difference. You know, it's such. It is an odd kickoff time. It's just,
1: I suppose, it throws you out of your normal uh, routine, which is always a challenge. But I think most teams will have most of these Celtic League teams, kind of traditional Celtic League teams. They're very, they're very well prepped usually. Like I think that's one thing like that. Um, has changed. They have prepared all these guys that have gone through some of the the, the different routines to go through or the changing routines. What you know, what they need to do. So that means you have to get up a little bit earlier to start hydrating. You probably have to start hydrating a little bit earlier in the week. You're talking Thursday night, being very much on the ball. So without, what does that entail? Just drinking uh, lots just of drinking water. water, getting your diorolites in, your different things to help you hold the fluids in. In um, and there's different challenges with that. There's also going to be you want to have that four hour, th- between three and a half and four hour window before your last meal. That's, that, that's before, before a match.
2: Before a match, so yeah. So what time are you you're getting up at? Your so you're,
1: you're getting up at eight, really, yeah. you know, or kind of between eight and nine for your meal. You might go back asleep depending on different pre- uh, preferences. You might go for a walk outside so just to get a bit of fresh air in the lungs. But you just don't have that comfortable all day scenario where you can say, "Ah." What's well, the best time to kick off at it? I actually like the two o'clocks. I know it sounds weird, but considering I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> the change in routine, but I like that one. I found out I didn't like waiting around all day. The kind of nerves and, and different things. Now I got better as I got older, mm. um, but I, I liked the early kickoffs. I felt like you just kind of were up eating maybe one or two meals and then you're out out the door uh, to the game. And I thought that was I like that. Some people don't. Some people like to have the whole day. They have a whole routine and they like to they don't like to venture too far from that. So. I think what I would say is most teams are kind of used to that now, and most players I think will, especially in their mental preparation, when they they'll have thought about this and they'll be prepared for it. And I think your your only worry about it, I think for me, was always making sure you got a good night's sleep. You like to get a good night's sleep going into these ones, whereas. If you don't get a good one and it's a nine o'clock or seven o'clock kickoff, you have time to recover that during the day and say, "Look, I'm going to take a little bit of a nap or whatever it is." You don't have that with those things. small thing, mm-hmm. small complaint. You should be building up sleep before the games. That I've all, I know the Leinster guys and that most of the Irish guys will have a. Uh, they'll have talked to sleep specialists and mm-hmm. they talk about kind of getting your going through your sleep cycles from the you know getting building up your almost like sleep a sleep surplus, they call it, uh, on the Thursday night and the Friday night, just in case you're not getting, if it's a Sunday game, that you have built up a bit of extra sleep. Because they do say that. You know, They, they use it like a, a block of, trying to get a block between seven and nine hours all the time. So you might take an extra little bit earlier on in the week. It's, it's kind of an interesting, it was very interesting to hear that. So um, And they're big into all that. That's one. That's another <laughs> challenge with it. But look, I think when we talk about the actual games and get back to the actual playing of the rugby I think there's lots of intriguing fixtures. Uh, that Racing uh, Toulouse one is going to be. That's a tricky fixture, you know, to call. I think both teams playing reasonably good uh, rugby, um, and who comes out on top on that one? Both very, very exciting backlines. Lots of exciting players involved, and then we go back to the Irish fixtures. And there's some really exciting ones. I think this Ulster-Leinster game, in the Aviva, if we get good weather, there's loads of exciting players on show. I think James Lowe only come back from injuries. I'd love to him to have a little bit more rugby under his belt because he's kind of the star of the show for me. Like he, he can do things that I don't think anyone else on the pitch can do. We've Stockdale on the other wing who, if he gets go-forward ball, we know how dangerous he is. But we've got lots of exciting talent like close close to the ball, who he'll be touching the ball a lot. I like John Cooney a lot. Um, I think Lencer of Luke McGrath James Gibson Park back for the game alongside Johnny Sexton, who, you know, had a difficult enough six nations, but you know, that Lencer Packet's on top, he's great to watch. You know, when he has a bit of time on the ball. Uh, Gary Ringrose as well. Uh, lots of exciting talent. I I'm ex- I'm I'm I'm, I'm actually surprised That you're not as excited About it I think it has the makings Of a You're great giving game. it a good
2: sell Well I think it has, has The makings of a great fixture I have no
1: It doesn't bother me Whether people are watching The game <laughs> or not But I can't wait to watch yeah.
2: it the One thing we were talking about Before Keane Is uh, the Ulster backline And I guess It'd be a huge ask Michael Lowry Potentially playing fullback. Mm-hmm. back uh, you know, he, Obviously he played Against Racing earlier this year Which is a big game too But this is a knockout game With the Aviva Robert Balacoon as well Biggest game of his career and a bit of uncertainty outside centre as well, with Darren Cave not fit, and they have a couple of injuries there too. So it'd be a fairly inexperienced Ulster backline as well.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be helped out though by the fact that it is in the Aviva. I know they won't have played there, but it's not like you know you're going to wait a, a French or an English team. I think they'll be helped by you know the Irish guys to be Even, a big Ulster contingent. You know, however. Rory Best was you know talking today about how much you know that they're relaying that to the lads, you know that they're asking how big is the pitch and you know what's it like to play on But yeah, it was an interesting day up there, like. Um, Ian Henderson, they're they're still concerned about. Um, now we did spot him training out of the corner of my eye as we were walking into the it's good old the school journalism, yeah. <laughs> school muckraking. Yeah. We were we were quickly shooed out, but I did see I did in see the him long grass <laughs> skiing with his giant camera. I did see him in the line out so I'd be surprised if he didn't play. I don't think they'd be having him in at this yeah. early stage of the week. But um, you have to
2: get get him in the team as well. You
0: know, yeah. He's but if he's off it. The backline needs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think Ian Henderson on one leg. You like he's so important. And even it was interesting Marcel Casilla was supposed to be doing media and I was actually looking forward to going up you know I've never met the guy and he's having such a brilliant season um, but he apparently went off for to do a bit of rehab so I mean I was, maybe they were taping, him, ta- tape, <laughs> oh taping him up but like they need him fit oh, Coetzee and Henderson to have any chance I think both of those guys need to be starting but in terms of the background I think by the sounds of it Cave will be okay um, Balakun Lowry I mean it's yeah it's interesting even Louis Ludic, Louis Ludic came back um, also we're kind of saying he'd be assessed throughout the week but just as we were walking into the Kingspan he got out in front of us in a knee brace and (laughs) crutches so I can say we can probably say that he is unlikely to play either so yeah it's a bit of a you know and Lowry in fairness is having a a really good season but I can imagine Leeds are peppering the ball down on top because I remember being up in the opening game against Leicester and um he dropped a couple of early balls. It's the first game, yeah. with, I think. It, but he recovered. He recovered really well. Never played fullback. It's it's a good rating. sign of a guy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, like absolutely. I like to see so, if I have a and start. they rate yeah. him so highly. I mean, yeah. I, they, the talk is that he will end up as an out half. But I guess it's almost like the Joey Carberry of, of Ulster. But um, yeah, they're. I think they're going to be. Fifteen points is a lot. I think. Mm. Um, I like. Like I think John Cooney. Um, <laughs> was one of the uh, one of the Irish players a few Irish players who came out of Six Nations with his reputation massively enhanced yeah. and I think now he can go to another level I think he's been outstanding for them all season he earned his chance for Ireland and I thought he took it every time I think he'll be gutted that he wasn't involved in the Wales game because okay fair enough Marmion was fit again they wanted to get him I mean you can understand the logic but that was no slight on He'd Cooney He probably dodged his bullet in uh, Absolutely his <laughs> reputation improved even more so yeah. I think that battle between Cooney and, and McGrath is going to be very very interesting. Very very, very interesting because you'd have to say Cooney is ahead of McGrath if he's going to bring three scrum halves to the World Cup. Right now, if you're picking your squad, you'd imagine Cooney after his performances and having the goal-kicking option and the ability to play a yeah. half is key.
1: The goal-kicking is a one bit. I, I, I feel like McGrath was playing outstanding rugby mm. before he got injured. So I think that's probably... Sometimes we have, I think in the media, sometimes we have short memories and that. Like I think he was brilliant before he got injured. Um, I think that's a tighter battle. Um, but I, I I agree. I do think currently speaking, I do agree. Which I think that uh, Cooney's probably slightly has the edge, and that he's you know obviously played more recently, but also he's the, he's mm. the goal kicking option. So that's nice for Luke McGrath to chase. He's yeah. a good he's a good guy for that. He'll, he'll notice that smart guy. Um,
2: good Used to, to kick in like, school, so perhaps he
1: can yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we'll start practicing. I don't know, but yeah it, it, there's a few really good battles that's a particularly interesting one I also
2: think in hooker. In, in, in the front row
1: hooker mm, that's yeah. the big one like Sean
2: Cronin
0: cut from the yeah. Ireland squad best under pressure yeah. for his place this is the big one Sean but Cronin's camp- struggling though hopefully he'll be fit I mean he went off with a HIA didn't he last oh. week and the, the, yesterday didn't look that, that seriously yeah, didn't I take mean, him off straight away which is kind of unusual yeah I, I suppose you, they, the word yesterday was that he's following return to play protocols I mean hopefully he'll be fit because it'd be a shame because he's going to be gunning for that isn't he I think so the only, <laughs> the,
1: only thing, the only problem for him is it looks like. Like provincial form doesn't seem to be ta- like yeah. taken into account, but it's a nice head-to-head for him. I would say probably a tall. I I, I would actually, as much as I would love to say, because I, I I obviously feel like he's probably should be the starting hooker. Um, I think it'd be difficult to judge best on this one. I just think Leinster like when you take both packs and the subs particularly into account, Leinster just have, they're playing from a stronger deck. That's not to say like, these are always dangerous fixtures. And I always remember Owen Redden saying about playing guys who've left the club when you go abroad mm-hmm. or when you're, when you're playing them down, like on the home patch, they have something to prove. Like Marty Moore, if he's back fit. He has something to yeah. prove. Like he didn't leave Le- like Leinster under the bet. Like I think wasn't the best terms, you know, didn't leave everyone, thinking, oh, well, we're best friends here. So he is something to prove. It's always dangerous. And he, I remember Brad Thorne always talking about his scrummaging. He could cause trouble in there. He's a lovely player himself. I have a lot of time for Marty. Um, and then you think of the likes of Jordy Murphy as well, if he's fit for it. You know, like these guys are... Well, a question mark at open side as well in the national picture. Yeah, well, I think like Jordy actually is perfectly suited for that role. He is a seven to me. I don't think he's big enough to play in the other mm. roles, really. He's been moved around because he's a great player. He's a good rugby player. So he can. he has the versatility, but for me he's purely a seven and when he's playing well like he was brilliant for Leinster in that European campaign last season he earned the spot the starting slot for me and he creates a great balance he created a great balance for Leinster there and he's a nightmare at the breakdown if he gets going he's a lovely ball player he finds himself in good positions as well so they have guys who have something to prove. John Cooney as well, like, you know, he left Leinster not acrimoniously, but he definitely was down in Connacht because, you know, he, there was, you know, they felt like they had better guys coming through. So he has something to prove. So they have all these kind of little subplots in the game that are going to be
0: really intriguing to watch. You, you have Eric Sullivan and Alan O'Connor as well, who, I mean, two guys, Al- two, two of course, guys yeah. from the problems, obviously less heralded mm-hmm. than the guys you mentioned. But um, even Geordie, I mean, you kind of felt bad for him because was it the Italy game He and he played eight? Like, I agree, he's not, not really an no, eight. No, he's a seven. And he? he's been playing yeah. really, really good rugby for Ulster because they've mm. played him at seven, which is his best position. So, again, in terms of the bigger picture, you'd hope that he gets another looking. But I'd wonder, I was thinking back and Best was asked about this a couple of times today. Um, I know the conditions are going to be very different, but when you think back to the Bath game at the rec when Leinster scraped the win and Sam Underhill and F- Francois Lowe played and they had two you know, out-and-out open sides and it really caused Leinster trouble. But Coetzee and Jordy Murphy have the ability, I think, to do something similar. Now, again, conditions will be very difficult, but if they have those two guys, I wonder how much of a blueprint what Bath did because Leinster struggled in that game they got a really important victory but that could be something that they look at and any team struggles like mean
1: mm-hmm. you have guys who are like like if if Rory Best if they, like they'll be training all week with a guy with a white scrum cap yeah. on and they'll be smashing him all week because they'll be targeting him like whether you actually run into him off set plays because do you, do you, you, you don't want him obviously to be the the tackler plus one, the guy coming in as the jackal. So oftentimes they'll pick moves for dangerous guys who are, you know, and, and, and conversely on, on, on the Ulster side they'll be doing the same thing. They'll be picking out guys who are dangerous on the ball in the Leinster setup, uh, whether that's a Dan Levy or whoever it may be. They might say, "Well, we we'll run into him uh, because we don't want him to come in and, mm. and, and slowing up our ball." So like that's a problem for any team, and Ulster have those guys who can do that, and at the same time, they have lots of guys who can punish you often as well. Like, Balakun's rapid. Yeah. Stockdale is rapid. You know, like, they're really dangerous if they get into open field. And if Lencer, you know, if there's lots of turnovers, there's, you know, disorganisation in the defensive line... That can, those guys can really hurt you. So there's potential there. Ulster could really cause an upset on this one. I'm surprised the spread is that wide because I think they've got a few tools that could really stymie Leinster. Um, And that's a big thing. If you can do that, if you can frustrate Lancer if you can get at Johnny Sexton, if you can you know put pressure on him when he's making decisions all day, if you can stop Lancer getting quick ball, if you can stop their big runners getting over the gain line, any team looks average or mm-hmm. any team in world rugby, you know. So they have the potential to do that. So that's that's an interesting little uh, little game to watch, no, and the you, game within you
0: the keep game.
2: My interest sufficiently
0: there. I, I, <laughs> and another another little, I think one other little subplot I think is interesting. Again, Bess was sort of talking about it is. The difference in captaincy styles we're going to see in Best and Sex and you know, so much has been been made of that and put Rum and What is the referee, you know. So the guy who's erratic at the at the best of times, and I'm kinda writing about this tomorrow. I think that'll be interesting to watch as well. You know, Bess was kind of joking that he won't have to talk to the refs about looking after sex, and it'll be weird to be on the other side of it for a change. That's actually pretty good. But I think that's gonna be interesting to see as well, watching how those two guys, you know, two incredible leaders in their own right, but very different styles. Oh definitely.
2: And just moving on to to the Munster game as well, Shall we Carby, the news today that he signed a two-year extension. He had another year to run on his current deal, so 2022. So it looks like there's no Leinster return or quick Leinster return on the horizon. Nah, why would he? Uh, Johnny Sexton's there
1: currently. Ross Byrne is set up but from a, from a Leinster perspective. I think they've all moved on from that. And it's the correct decision for him. It's a great move f- uh, from an Ulster perspective, and it, it speaks to some really good work behind the scenes. They're locking him down. They're cre- like just no indecision. We can build around this guy. They've obviously made a decision that they're going to do that. Conor Murray also signed up there, didn't he? At the start of yeah. the season as well. So uh, they're they're the two guys you build your team around. Your Peter O'Mahony, your CJ Stander, and those guys. That's the spine. Um, and they look in a good they look in a good position to me. Like they just, I think they have a, a few little spaces to fill. You know, I think in the back line, still trying to find that little that second little link. I think I like Scanlan as the playmaker there, but I feel like uh, there's there's just one little piece in the in, possibly not there. Possibly when Chris Farrell's there, I suppose he's been injured a bit, so we haven't mm. seen as much of him. I think when he's back, they look like a, a better team definitely, but. I feel like the Zebo hole is they're just waiting for one guy to fill that. Like Keith Earls has just been consistently brilliant, but just one other guy yeah. to fill that other role for me. Yeah, I right, like, like
2: Conway at fullback. Yeah, I don't uh, think Mike Haley's been
1: great. I do, the too. other guy Conway's been brilliant, yeah. consistently yeah. brilliant.
0: Sure. I I actually think Conway is, is Munster's best fullback, but I mean it seems like Joe doesn't see him as a fullback and that's primarily why he's he's not playing there because he's he's ended up in the wing. But yeah, I mean Mike Haley was signed a lot of pressure on his shoulders coming in filling the Simon Zebo mm-hmm. void. He's He's been good though. He's he's been solid, but I, I I think he's had a mistake in most games he's played. He had it again last week. Just kind of sloppy errors at times that you don't expect from you know if he's going to be one of Munster's starting players, which he 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 will start this weekend. But I think Munster are a different team when they have more of an attacking threat. I think you're right when they have an extra option outside because the the wings are fairly settled. You know, Earl's is playing out of his skin, but he's a key guy for them. You know, mm. that role
1: where kind of Zeebo was playing that second playmaker. I think Chris Farrell does it well. I think I like, um, I think Scannell does it well. But I think they, it's the other guy. It's the guy who provides the running threat and the ball mm. playing threat. That's what Zeebo has. He can go by, he can ghost by some, but he can also pass or, or offload. Um, and he's a he's a threat. Now, you could argue he makes mistakes too, but I think he usually creates on the other side mm. and it balances out usually on a positive side. Keith Earls is a guy, he's key to Munster, I think, um, he is, he's that extra guy he can make something out of nothing for them when things aren't going well um, uh, currently they haven't needed him but I think they might need him this weekend he's a key guy for them he looks like he's getting faster as well with age amazingly yeah, it's he's, terrible, just, he's
0: just <laughs> like, he's just like a fine wine <laughs> I was like
1: slugging it up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no he's uh, yeah, he, he's really found that second gear That's they always talk about that kind of figuring out your game that second part of your career where you're <laughs> You're still a good athlete, um, and you know you're not on the. He's not on the wind down yet. Mm. He's still getting the best of himself. Probably still figuring out a few things about how to get the best out of himself physically. That's what it looks like to me because he's, he's been fitter for longer. He hasn't had as many of those kind of niggly injuries. I, I I I always think Munster played our best rugby when guys when he's involved. When he's involved in lots of the things, and that's when I think they're playing well. Uh, he's a key guy for them in terms of the pack, and that's going to be key against Edinburgh. That's mm. the area that's going to. It's look in every game. It's the winner losing. Goes without saying. But, you know, can they get Kilcoyne on the ball going forward? Can CJ Stanner get those extra metres that he hasn't been getting for Ireland? How effective can Peter O'Mahony be in getting a couple of turnovers for them? You know, creating a bit of go forward for the likes of Joey Carberry and Conor Murray to pick that Edinburgh defence apart. Because they are penetrable. They they have a few weaknesses in there. They're not always, they're not watertight there. You saw what Lens were able to do, them, do to them when they got a little bit of go forward and when there was a little bit of ball play. They struggled to cope. And once you have the guys that can hurt them there and the guys who can get the ball to those places and manipulate space... But you can't do that unless Kilcoyne's getting over the game line, unless Scannell's getting over the game line, unless Peter O'Mahony's on the ball, CJ Stannard. These guys need to get the go for it. Tight burn. They, tight they, burn, they have, of course. They
0: have, they have a very settled pack, though, now to do? and yeah. they're all fit. I mean, the pack this weekend picks itself, which is a massive advantage. And even, you know, someone like Jack O'Donoghue, I thought was had a brilliant game last week, and he's had such a bad injury, but him coming back now at a good time, and I really hope that he he gets on the bench because I think he can give them something, mm. something off the bench. But um, having that settled pack is massive, even. we've spoken about Tyg Byrne and Jean Klein's second row partnership they're an ideal they're an ideal second row partnership like Klein will do the grunt work and he'll free up Tyg Byrne to do what he does best and I think Tyg Byrne is another guy who'll feel like he has something to prove after coming back from the Six Nations didn't quite go his way Yeah it's
2: funny the pack is quite settled but then you have Carberry and Murray who've only played I think three games together so it's another big test for them because they were very good against Gloucester Less so against Exeter, maybe, and the third game has escaped me So I, I, I won't definitively rule on that one.
0: Yeah, and like he still has to hit hit his markers apparently as he goes through the week. Like he, he hasn't. Yeah, played, sorry, is he going to play? Well, it, the, the word is that he will. Yeah, he's trained fully, but I mean, it's you ha- staked your reputation on his fitness before was it was a, few a weeks fitness, ago? Race. Oh, fitness race. A fitness race. <laughs> the, the story was careful, <laughs> <though>. <laughs> the story was that he was not going to play against the Six Nations, which he did. so congratulations. Yeah. You've already. You've, Thank you. you well, you lots of people, lots of people are quick to call you up on that, but they don't actually read the story. So to yeah. um, so read the story, but it's hamstring <laughs> injury a hamstring injury is yeah, yeah. tricky you know it's yeah, very tricky I mean mm. like you, 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 they won't take any so risks with who's starting first. if it's Hanrahan they, they're well I don't trouble. I don't think I don't think Hanrahan it's will that's start a, that's that's
2: a yeah, fairly strong
0: pretty harsh yeah, <laughs> yeah. but Tyler Hall was excellent yeah. when he came off the bench and they didn't yeah, of he league. was good cool. I know it was Zebra it was the game of the weekend Zebra yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, 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 were, they were playing well they, they didn't waste any time in taking JJ Hanrahan off either and I thought Zebra played very well yeah but uh, Tyler Blainel has come back into a bit of form now but I reckon he'll probably be on the bench I mean the, the sounds are that Carby will play and they need him to play but I don't know I think yeah you'd, you'd hope that he can hit the ground running and that Murray can, can find his form I mean he, it hasn't happened for him but I mean I, again I wouldn't buy into the whole hysteria that what, what's going on with him It's it'll he's be class. fine Yeah, he's absolutely class and from, from an Edinburgh perspective like I guess they, they've
2: kind of Looks like they've been keeping an eye on this fixture in particular. Like their their league form over the last six weeks before the Leinster game have been pretty mediocre since they qualified. So it looks mm. like like you know some teams. They were tight ones though. Yeah. they lost two out of the last three, but they but they, they lost one like, at home to Cardiff when they were like fourteen. They won that up, one, yeah. but
1: they were still like it, they were still all tight games. Like they're hard to beat. It's mm. kind of the, like even when they're not playing well. But
2: what do you make of Cockrell and Jubbies? And I'm a huge fan of his. Just from afar, I don't.
1: Yeah, well, he's great for sand Yeah, you love him well. But um, <laughs> no, he's uh, he is good. He looks like he's he's gone away from the tradition kind of loose Edinburgh game plan. They they play nice, kind of forward, kind of dominated play. They hang on to the ball for large periods. Pre-Christmas, um, and the Leinster fixture particularly stands out. They are able to they, they can have the ball for long periods without actually getting over the line. And I actually got very annoyed at some of the Leinster defence. Um, I was very critical of Joe Tavani, which I kind of regretted to be honest. But I was upset watching it because I felt like they didn't really do anything or there wasn't anything that creative in what they did to get over the the, the Leinster line. They were like kind of picking goes. It was usually I think I think in a big game Leinster's defense would have been a bit more staunch and would have probably kept them out actually unless they tried something. So that's an area where they had a lot of trouble. They couldn't get over the game. They couldn't get over the try line. Um, now they were strong from the mall. and they looked good from there. But um, he looks like he's doing a good job to get back to the to the point on 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 Cockrell. Uh, I like that they're they're a bit more structured. I like that they've they're, they've kind of created a pack that look like they're kind of difficult to contain. They're going to be nitty and gritty. They're good at the scrum, they're good in the line out. Um, they've plenty of experience in there as well. With Barkley coming back at a crucial period alongside Ross Ford at hooker. Um, I can't remember the guy's name's escaping. The Scottish hooker is he'll he'll come back Stuart into the McAnally. fold. Stuart Stuart he, 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 Yeah, he'd crack. He'll come office. back into the fold this week. You would think, yeah. but um, th- th- so they have a good
0: strong unit like, there. They're going to be. To play in against. the
2: backline, one guy who's come back from injury, Doom Van der Merwe, is probably one of the more underrated wings. I think in in the Pro 14, he, he scores twice for yeah, four as well. Yeah,
0: and they're going to need him as well because I think Blair Kinghorn is a massive, yeah, massive loss. Because you talk about X Factor, he definitely has it, but so does he. And he, even you look at Darcy Graham. I mean, he was he, yeah. was, he was excellent. He was central to <laughs> was that good, comeback yeah. in Twickenham. <laughs> so England, they yeah. have they have threats all over the over the over the field. I don't. think No one's going to underestimate them. But I think Munster Munster can still get at them. I think if if both teams play to their p- potential, you'd imagine that. Munster that's would sh- have enough yeah. mm. it's whether the, the Marie Phil Factor plays like that's a yeah they, they, they reckon a they'll have a good crowd, crowd, crowd they reckon they'll have a better crowd than normal obviously it won't be full but <laughs> well Barclay
1: was talking in his, in his post match of about 40 or 50 now whether that was kind of I couldn't a see black 50 day, yeah. Com, yeah.
0: unless 30 mean, odd thousand Munster
1: supporters <laughs> <are called>. <laughs> <laughs> or 48 thousand Munster I don't know I, I think um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got a big one like because they
0: should be building it up this is big for yeah, them massive, and they yeah. got
1: through with a home quarter yeah. final like that's a, there's a lot the long as well
0: on paper I mean not many people would have given him a chance to to win it at the start I no, Toul- don't. Toulon, Montpellier Newcastle wasn't it uh, surely mm. no one Yeah,
2: it you know so yeah, and just to move away from Champions Cup for a second, let's talk about some of the other rugby news. obviously, Paul O'Connell today announced that he's going to be leaving Stade Français at the end of the season. There were rumours that he might link up with Toulon, but he says he doesn't see himself coaching in the club next season. And from obviously, we had him in here. Mm. I know you've talked to him too. I did actually get the sense that
0: maybe he isn't sure if coaching is going to be his kind of his future. He's he's never been shy in saying that from day out. I think everyone is just kind of hoping that's a smoke screen because everyone wants him to be involved. Because what what a brain. But yeah, he's he's never nailed his colours to the mast. It sounds like it was a very tricky job for Mike Prendergast as well, who was over there with him. From what I understand, that Heineken Meyer calls all of the shots there. He might not run the training session, but when it comes to picking the team, he's picking the team and the guys are kind of left there going, well, I think this guy should be playing because I've been doing the training with him. So, I think it's been a tricky job. You'd hope that a a tricky job like that hasn't put him off it, you know, because he did obviously want to go and live in France, live in Paris and get all that. But he obviously still has so much to offer to the game. I mean... Maybe he does need to take a little bit of time out. He was with the 20s last year, but um, yeah, it sounded like a very well, tricky Well, one. just
2: even when I, I heard him talk about how much time of the, his day now, is t- it's like he's, he's taking up more time now than when he was a player, like in terms of the preparation, the analysis you have to do. And then I guess maybe, you know... You'd ma-
1: you would expect that though, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, no, but, he, but I, I don't know. He, he, he's I, an obs- this is just me he, he, reading yeah, h- him yeah,
0: talking. Yeah. I just didn't think that maybe he enjoyed it as much as he, he seems like an obsessive in that almost a bit like joe schmidt in that like he would devote every waking hour but i remember him saying to me as well that, that his kids were at a certain age now that you know he wanted to be around and mm. he devoted so much of his playing career which is so important as well but remember he was saying to you guys about the lack of laptops and not having a nutritionist i can not yeah. imagine that washing with a guy like that you know when He's, he's used to certain standards and you're coming into a club and even I did an interview with Mike Brendergast actually a couple of weeks ago after we spoke to O'Connell and he was saying that when they went in that was one of the things that they said they're going to change but I mean that's not going to happen until next season and for a guy that demands standards it's it's just not good enough so yeah I would really hope that he, he does I mean get another job after this maybe he does need to take a time off going to Toulon if that actually happened I mean
2: you're going to one basket, basket, basket yeah. case to another, like isn't it?
0: So yeah. maybe he just needs to to take it to it have a big impact there, though. And there's <laughs> yeah. probably
1: desire to do, to have an impact. You know, they clearly their policy around you know, picking world-class guys. Like, once Gidho's gone, that place doesn't look the same once Johnny Wilkinson's gone. And those guys would have been driving. They were pretty much tra- training the team. That's why they
0: tried to sign O'Connell, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, because they they were missing one of those guys. I think Ali Williams would have had a big impact yeah. on the pack. I presume they were trying to get Paul O'Connell, Paul O'Connell to uh, to f- kind of fill that void that was left. So, it's an interesting one. I, I think it was a great point you made, Keane. I, I hope that doesn't turn him off, this kind of one club. Mm. Um, like, whether he wants to actually get back into an Irish setup, I don't know. I think there's pressure involved in that. But then there's lots of cases where it's... worked. Like, you look at Leo Cullen, like, that example has worked really well. Now, I know it was a difficult season to start, but there's always ups and downs with it. I think the thing that I would... Like, if I was looking at it, you're kind of saying, well, they're probably... If you if you were to come back, And I know I've heard Raj saying, oh, there's all the pressure involved and all that kind of stuff, but... They're probably the places that are most aligned with your view, and it's you don't have a, as you don't have to have as massive an impact in terms of changing what I would consider as an Irish player now. having gone through the system as the fundamentals of being a professional rugby player, so you don't have to do all that. You don't have to start from the ground up. You have laptops. <laughs> you have laptops. You have nutritionists. You have the basics. You have you have strength and conditioning coaches who understand about load management, about how to train the players correctly, how to get them peaking for different po- times during the season. So you don't have to go through all that. Um, That that might be enjoyable to do that. I don't know what the different kind of drivers in terms of motivation Mm. are, but I I hope he's not turned off by it. Um, I think in terms of your kids, like, look, whatever he does, he's going to be obsessive about it. Like, I, and he wants to be great at it. I think there's going to be a time where you just have to manage the time. Well, I, I was surprised to hear him kind of talk about in, in those kind of terms because that's a time management thing. Like, you know, <laughs> I I, no, I would consider it that. Like, you you're either not working efficiently enough or you're overworking because... Uh, that would be my view on it. I think, um, you know, to be, you can be obsessive about it, but you it, you still also have to figure out the efficiencies of it because if you're overdoing it, you know, are you
2: thinking clearly? Is, is that not coaching it, though? But, isn't it, it, but are you like, actually
1: getting into a place where actually the more data you look at, is there a big correlation between those extra, whatever, five hours you're spending you know, if you go to three hours and you're more, you're more focused on different things. Have you, I, I you just maybe you just haven't figured out the efficiencies in it. That's what, that's what I would consider. I would consider that overworking, and actually underachieving based on that, on that thing. Because I think you go beyond a point where you're actually getting a correlation between, you know, doing the extra two hours and actually getting more results out of it. Or if you're fresher the next day, are you going to? be thinking more clearly? Are you going to be more creative? There's loads of other things you have to consider in the picture. So um, I, I would hate to see someone with his talent maybe go somewhere else. Now, maybe he doesn't want to do it. Maybe he's just like, do you know yeah. what? Do I really want to be in rugby? Do I want to go into business? Like he could do whatever he wants. He's the kind of guy who's very bright.
2: Mm. Uh, he's got a great personality about him. He can lead people. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So he, he can be great whatever he does prob- with him. He's probably in that O'Driscoll category where he doesn't really have to do Anything, maybe? I oh, we don't know. Yeah. You don't. You don't know anyone's financial circumstances. You know, so there could be different
1: motivators
0: there. You just. You just wouldn't know. Um, he won't be short of offers anyway, will he? No matter what nah, the line of work couldn't, is, couldn't see him being short of well, offers.
2: From one, I guess, Ireland legend to another round now. has been in the news as well. Apparently, he could be going into the French setup for the World Cup, mm. which would be extremely intriguing. Uh, and it's kind of a shot to nothing in a way because you know if he goes in and goes well, his reputation okay. is massively enhanced they're already in rag order and not a whole lot of is, is expected of them so if it doesn't go that well I don't I
0: think he'll emerge relatively unscathed yeah, I, I totally agree with you that's exactly my thoughts and I think Ron Nogar is still the most interesting person in Irish rugby almost I mean it's just his crew myself yeah. <laughs> <pretty much>. <laughs> <laughs> no offence taken uh, <laughs> I mean if you had went to the Crusaders I think you might have been up there as well but I mean it's just really interesting to yeah. follow isn't it I mean an Irish coach getting a gig like that and by all accounts he's massively respected down there I, I couldn't agree with you more that if it goes well his reputation is enhanced if it doesn't go well I think it'll be like it didn't happen. He'll still be one of the most sought after coaches. It's what kind of been interesting. they have been talking it about
2: fits really well with the timeline. Like the Crusaders C- yes. season ends just before yeah. they'd be going back into camp for the World Cup, and then if it doesn't go well or he doesn't want to stay on, he can just go back to the Crusaders if he wants. Or yeah. you know, if Warren Gatling can just gets do do every job, once can he will? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I don't know if he's in that
0: category. I
1: don't
2: know if he's in the O'Driscoll.
1: He's, 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 he's very like
2: contracts and stuff but
1: sure, uh, whatever. Yeah. He's
0: very much keeping his options open though, because if you heard him on, he was on off the ball last night and he was saying, or this morning, I think it was, uh, or last night actually, yeah, um, he was saying how. Um, like you know He's open to the Irish thing as well I mean that's Nagging in the back of his head And when you think about it Ireland are going to need A new attack coach When, when this comes down to it I mean do they have anyone In the system right now Who's going to do it You'd imagine uh, there Is have Andy
1: Farrell supposed to be Is he going to be Taking that on Was that not as the well defence I thought he was moving Towards the attack I would be very surprised That someone told me
0: this Exclusive Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I thought he was oh going right. to do. So I assumed
0: that, like, the best one, the was best... I thought
1: was, was the surprising thing. Yeah. Someone t- I remember someone telling to me, and I was saying, oh, that's interesting, is he actually, because obviously his background
0: obviously been all defence. And one of the most, the best defence coaches in the world, you'd imagine mm, he yeah. would have... That's what I would have thought he would have consolidated that's, that's that very role and then gone yeah. somewhere else. That's but I think you
1: probably have to have, like, from his perspective, he can't just be pigeonholed just as a defence guy. And he's obviously been yeah. under one of, the, what I would think, one of the most creative coaches... I'm one of the guy who has, guys who has the clearest thinking on attacking fundamentals that I've come across in terms of Joe. Now, mm. I know p- people will moan about the game plan, but it really suits us, the yeah. type of game plan. that There's no way Joe can't be more expansive with a New Zealand team if, he, if that's what he decides to do. So I think he's, in, he's positioned very well to go and do that job. But whether he wants to take it on on his own, having not done it in a club first, I don't know. But I thought that would round him off nicely as a coach because you want to have a bit of that yourself, don't you? Like mm. from his perspective, he's got to grow too. Because really, if you're going into the head coaching role... Um, You know, are you do, are you venturing into then all the admin stuff? I remember Stuart Lancaster saying mm. like that was the really unenjoyable part. He actually wanted to coach. So, d- does he just want to do that? I presume that's the manager's job in Ireland. That I, like I don't think you have that. Yeah, f-
0: well, well, maybe that even creates more of a gap for Guy because isn't it for France you're talking about being a defence coach, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even it though is, he's been yeah. focusing more yeah. on the attack? So that's interesting because. I think everyone would agree that it's only a matter of time before O'Gara gets a job back here. It's just, it's just a case of when and what job it is. So maybe if Andy Farrell was doing that, it might open, might well, yeah. open the gap. They will need another coach, this, won't yeah. they? When Joe Schmidt Andy goes, will. Oh, they will. Oh, definitely. Oh no, no, no yeah, have too to bring big bring a job. So they have to bring someone. Yeah, Of all the holes to fill, Joe Schmidt leaving like that's pretty. I wouldn't like to be the man coming in. To Replace him, you know, it's yeah. tough. And I would say there's a bit of overlap between the roles. Like, there's no way that Joe isn't discussing things with Andy
1: Farrell oh, yeah, when yeah. he's, when he's, there, or yeah. like, they're there, like, whether like, I'm sure Joe making all the decisions yeah. as, <laughs> as, per, as per usual, but you know, I, I there's no way that when Andy Farrell's, if he, he say he does switch over, I don't know, but I that's that's what I thought the word was that he was going to do that. So, like, if he does do that like there's no way he's not going to be talking to Ronald Gar about the attack mm. or consulting Richie Murphy if he stays on about it, about the kicking strategies and how can we get the best out of our, or you know coming up with moves together as a group it's not all it doesn't all lie on you and you should be like you know you should be asking the, you know all the different people around you because they're the resources that you have there's lots of great rugby minds that's what you I always think if you're assembling a coaching staff you want to just get great rugby minds around you you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's how I think you get the best. And obviously, you, you know, someone has to make the decision. We all move forward. This is what we're deciding. But you've got to have the discourse around you because that's where you get the best ideas. That's when you get the creativity flowing through and should be the best thing for the
0: players because you don't want to have just one brain deciding everything. You need all the input from everywhere, I think. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for in the IRFU offices around this because, when again, when you look at O'Gara having gone to Racing, one of the best teams in Europe, gone to the Crusaders, one of the best teams in the world, and now France, okay, a basket case. But you look at the talent that they've got. Surely, I mean they're sort of going? Okay, when is the time to pull the trigger here to try and get him back? It's going to be very interesting to watch.
2: Now, really interesting if he comes in after the World Cup. And um, just before we wrap up, move on to Connacht quickly. Uh, they're playing Sale on Friday night in the Challenge Cup quarter final. Looks like they might rotate their mm. team a bit. Keen but, by Andy Friends uh, soundings today.
0: Yeah, that's that's what this, that's what it sounds like. And in fairness, that's what they've done throughout the competition because I think they're looking at the Pro 14 as you know, this is this is their their bread and butter that they want to do well in. But I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Jack Kearney looks like will probably play because of mm. the amount of injuries that they have and you talk about reputations being enhanced after Six Nations this guy is in the form of his life Um uh, impacts off the bench he was incredible For he changed the game for Connacht last weekend what was a massive game against Benetton it wasn't really going their way he came on uh, he became their top point scorer it was a 691 that's a fair achievement for a guy who's got a lot of road left to run in his career I enjoyed your tweet uh, your oh, yeah. snarky tweet your veiled dig at Joe Smith no it wasn't really I mean like my well po- it was well, my, my, <laughs> my point about that is and I know coming off the bench against Treviso in the Pro 14 is not yeah. the same yeah but I think I said said it in here after the Wales game. What was the point of giving him eight minutes in a game that was it had been long been over? And you're talking about building depth for the World Cups, mm. but I just would have liked to seen him get a little bit more time. And I know you can't really compare the two, but he's probably the form out half in the country right mm. now. No, I thought really, it'll be really interesting to see how he goes on Friday night. They were they were excellent. The, that comeback was class,
1: yeah. and they got the bonus point yeah. out of, from from what looked like out of nowhere. So they be coming in with, in with a bit of confidence, I think. You know, yeah. While you rotate, I don't know if you should rotate massively because I think you want to keep what a bit of. Files, like yeah, they,
0: they, don't don't have, they, they don't. They still don't have the depth, though. I don't think the fight. No, they don't. As you said, the, the injury issue. situation
1: yeah. there probably. It yeah. uh, will dictate yeah. a little bit um, in terms of that, and they do want to manage because the league is you yeah. know, that is to the forefront of their minds. Um, but they want to keep a bit of momentum going. You know, the, the, the conduct of you know the, the. It's not over and done with in terms of they have a lot of rugby to play in the league to get in those well, qualifying slots.
2: They've played Zebra away so mm-hmm. like in their next fixture so it's not as if they have and then they have Cardiff at home after that which is the big one. That's like, yeah. But they win- really need to win that Zebra one. They do need to win it but I still think they could probably win that with a rotated team as well and keep keep their... Just taking a risk at this time
1: of the You season, are, yeah. yeah. It's
2: hard to balance it. I just don't want to see them go into a quarterfinal like European weekend not playing their full. Not their full You're strength. just worried about Claremont
0: lurking in the, the <laughs> balance, no. aren't you? Claremont,
2: they're like 4 to eleven
0: doing the challenge cups. So I'm not the only one who thinks they're going to win. They, 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 if was, they don't, they, it'll be a shock. It's miraculous. Claremont.
2: Brock James will be signed back for like the <laughs> final. And miss a anyone can goal.
0: blow it. Yeah. They, they've played. They've played Sale twice. I mean, they lost away and they won at home. They're, they will they, have their eyes. I think Ashton injured though. Ashton injured. Yeah, yeah like they Kirk, they've got a pretty pretty good team there. But yeah, like, I mean, the balancing act. I mean, it's, you'll have to wait and see what kind of team that they name before you. Mm-hmm. You're assessing what kind of chance they have but um, as a whole Connacht are in a great place yeah. so I think massive improvements this season and last topic I want to hit is just there was a kind of a report last week of potential
2: rule changes in rugby and there's two I want to get your opinion on the 50-22 rule is when if you kick the ball from inside your own half and it bounces and goes into touch in the 22 you'll get the line out what do you make of that potential rule? Change? I like the idea trying to keep more
1: people in the backfield because obviously everyone's just loading up stuff on the front and it gives you a bit of reward for, for an attacking kicking game uh I just hate the way we're moving towards I feel like we're moving towards league then, you know. was it the forty twenty there, yeah, whatever 40/20, it is? Yeah. yeah. So not not completely opposed to it. I like that we're trying to be creative with the game. Exactly. And right. I know that the, the the talk of it was about actually trying to manage some of the collisions, which I found like that seemed like a bit of a stretch. But I don't know, maybe whoever's running the data there through uh thinks that that'll reduce massively the number of rooks and contacts. Um I don't know, interesting to see on that one. I think that's probably a bit of a stretch for me. But uh, in terms of the game, I quite like it, actually.
0: I do. I'm not, I'm not completely yeah, opposed to it. It would be good to see it, I think, in a trial, I think, before yeah. we sort of nail it to the match. They always you, do that, anyway. You I don't, think it's yeah, a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah it maybe be the 20s World Cup or whatever they usually do, but you don't want to see a big kick tennis game coming either. Like, But I think, in theory... It sounds like it's definitely worth a look. But if you have a if you have a few good kickers, okay. yeah, oh, yeah. A Jack Carty is actually very good at that. I mean, yeah, that's the one yeah to he is quality. Out out so so like, yeah, but Sexton as well. Yeah. Like, you but know, like the Adhass will have to sort of tweak the how they played it. So it will be it will be interesting. But I wouldn't be setting it its own like you. Is really it one get.
2: bounce? It's one bouncing in. Is, this? Yeah. is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, b- I can.
0: Well, there's many bounces.
1: Yeah. Oh, kind of, oh, All yeah. right, sorry, I wasn't sure. Sorry, yeah. But it's an interesting one. Um... Well, can you grub it in then? I presume technically. So. Well, fair enough. Yeah. 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 Like it, it. The only thing is, is that it should create like it, you'd like to think it would create more chip space. <laughs> It should create more like less people in the front line. That's what they want, um, you know. So like, yeah, look, it's a good idea. Like, I still think the key areas for me are the are the touch judges getting involved or the the, 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 the sideline, the offside.
2: Oh line. my god, <laughs> like that
1: is just becoming chronic. It's chronic, it's chronic. chronic, at the chronic moment. Yeah,
2: yeah. But, yeah. The other one I wanted to get your opinion on it was it was only on the front page of a newspaper last Sunday, so it hasn't been like officially released. But it was they want to kind of get rid of the jackal, basically get rid of the the, the poach in rugby. They want it to be <laughs> old fashioned rucking where it's basically just counter rucking, but they don't. They, That's they, a mess. Though. Yeah, but they say that, uh, that it does reduce to reduce the amount of injuries of people being blasted out of it when they're in the poach position.
0: <sighs> like it's, f- it's it's fair enough, but like personally, I think there's an absolute art in in the jackal. I mean, I think when you look at the likes of Peter Mani, Ty Byrne, Dan Levy, like when they get it right, it- it's outstanding. Watch, fair enough, it's dangerous, and but it's the injury. Uh, I- I'm not sure what this. No with it, I'm not sh- I'm not sure what the solution is, but to remove it totally, I think would be a shame because it is an art and it's a skill that very few players have perfected, but I'm not sure what the... They need to be quicker with it. They need to be quicker with it. They don't... Like, if you see someone that's on a ball, like,
1: you should. it should be just, boom, turned over. Like, that's, like, like, if, that's the problem with it. If, you're, it if, if you have people long. hanging in there too long, mm-hmm. you get one guy maybe hitting them, sliding off to the side, and then all of a sudden there's two other guys
2: going... Are, I got to get and some in there of the and clearouts out. aren't and being police either Like some of the outs are ridiculous. Are absolutely
1: smashing guys. Yeah, and mm. anyone off their feet. Like there's, st- I, I think they've gone away from a few key parts in the ruck. They've gone away from, as you say, the people off their feet just launching their bodies through. You need to be able to maintain your body weight through the other side of the ruck if you're in the, if you're on the, if you're an attacking rucker. That's a key one because there's no real battle then. It's just body weight, and you can really launch into people from very exposed positions, and all your body weights there. Whereas if you actually have to hold your feet, you have to drive upwards or parallel to the ground, which which your upper body that's a different angle than going downwards and I know it's difficult once someone is kind of in that area and you have to try and clean them out but you should be going down to up and it's a very different kind of contact uh, I think than when people are launching so that's one area of it uh, that I really feel like they need to be very hot on I think that's the really dangerous part and also the other key part referees not being consistent on the time that when someone has when some, when, when the third guy in or the guy who's jacking is in they're not quick enough to blow up the turnover When when Mm. you clearly see someone wrestling, uh, you know, wrestling to get the ball out of their jacklers' hands and back on their own side, boom, should be done because that's holding. And if you do that quicker, you leave guys less exposed uh, to that. So, and I think as well, if you do it quicker, it probably, there's another flip side to that as well, where if if you blow that up quicker, people will actually want to do that a bit more. And when you want to do that a bit more, it's more people commit to the rook. That's a good thing. There's less bodies in the defensive line, so there should be more. If you can get quick ball there, if you can organise your ruckers well, and you get and you clear them out correctly. Um, you know you should have more attacking opportunities and people will, will not like they, they actually won't fan out as much like they are doing as
0: and, now and then when they do fan out just to go back to the, the police and the offside <sighs> rule it's, so I was boring. writing about it during the Six Nations it's appalling at the it's moment it's absolutely yeah. appalling yeah. and you talk about making the game safer guys are shooting off the line quicker because loads of the time they're offside anyway mm. so I mean that's got to be mm. I mean that's just a fundamental basic rule and I agree I think the touch judges could be doing more about that because it's been awful I think in the, in the last year maybe but, just got to keep pinging teams yeah keep pinging
1: them they have to feel the pain with it mm. and you, you have to have the touchies should be watching that all the time because there's too much for the referee to watch yeah. we're asking him to do way too much in the, around the rook there's too many there's guys wrestling there's guys falling off to the side is that through the middle how long is he you know, holding on to that ball you know, is the person on the ground hanging on to it too long you know, who, you know, like all this kind of stuff there's too much going on in there all mm. the time and trying to figure out who's right who's in the wrong um, he should be watching that and maybe the the first couple of guys around the rook, the guys behind in the third, fourth, fifth defender, touch judges, have some, I'm going to, so have some Lear Odie, you need to get involved in the game, you need to be helping the referee, because he doesn't have eyes in the back of his head, and you need to be involved, people want to see a better game, if there's more penalties at the start of a game, that's fine, but teams will learn quickly, that they can't just keep doing it, otherwise you just start yellow carding guys, and that's how you just get it out of the game, we can't be like soccer, where we're worried about pinging people, we just need to keep pinging them, They'll learn. It's like, you know when you see all those guys going around the referee in soccer? Just, I, I don't, I'm don't. one of those people of always say, yellow card them, come back again, red card them. They'll learn really quickly. <laughs> you just could do a week of it and every team would stop it. Uh, they need to do that in rugby. The guys need to be getting involved and actually helping the referee. They're not doing it. They're not living up because that, that has been a directive for a long time. That's where they need to be really brave for me because if the guys are like if they're offside, they're getting more offensive hits. There's more people in in exposed positions because they're not
2: ready to take the ball, and the defender has the advantage. So that's a key area. Well, we could debate these rules all day, but we'll just finish up. Came with a few predictions for the weekend: the four quarterfinals and the Connacht game,
0: maybe. Um, the quarterfinals uh, Leinster Yeah I think It would be a massive surprise I mean although Ulster did beat Munster Was in 2012 In a mm. semi-final at Thoman Park Which was a massive shock I'd be surprised If, if they could pull it off Um but what I would say is Ulster getting to the quarterfinal has been an incredible achievement for where they started this season with Dan McFarland coming in late and all that. I think Leinster, you know, Leo Cullum talking about players being pissed off, point to prove. I think that there's a big performance coming from them. Um, I would go Munster, but I think that's going to be very tight. Um very tight especially they need Carberry to play and they need like Luke said the pack to front up Um, I would go Rassing and Saracens I mean I think that's fairly probably both might agree and Connacht yeah Connacht's very hard to call I'm going to be like Luke in terms of not doing the predictions until you see the team not (laughs) (laughs) wanting to you don't know who who Connacht they're going to pick you would love to see Connacht win but I mean if they're going to rotate heavily then I think it's a tall order to go. they've already lost over there this season Mm. but let's wait and see their team Mm, your predictions uh I think Leinster in a tight one.
1: Uh, I don't think that'll be uh, as wide a spread but I get these consistently wrong so no one bet on based on any of my calls now so if you're uh, if you're a gambler just stop listening now. Um, I would think Munster will do it but I think that's going to be very tight as well. Uh, that's a really tough one to call. I was impressed with Edinburgh on the weekend. Um... Again, agree with with, with Kane. I think Toulouse and them is is, is an interesting match, but, but you'd think Racing will, will do that arena. one. Yeah, and they're good there. I think they've, Toulouse you know. will take that one. Yeah, do you? Yeah. 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 yeah but,
2: take it against the head. Well, they've got the back three to do it as long as there's no, you know boo-boos although like, they did they they beat them yeah. with a bonus point there about 3 or 4 weeks ago
1: so that, that can't yeah. Yeah. I know but it's different this is a bigger one yeah. and Toulouse are not a team they're not like a normal French team that
0: go away from home or Toulouse beat, beat them with like uh, European is, yeah, is and Racing like they've made no bones about it talking to Simon yeah. Z but they want the Champions Cup mm. So yeah, be yeah. and you think Saris yeah. I think yeah. Saris are yeah. looking very like that's yeah. Leinster Saris are the two teams I think that look very very impressive
1: mm. so far uh, uh, Racing as well to a certain extent mm. but less so than the other two so that's it I'm excited ah, sorry I didn't again. say anything about Connor Because I don't yeah, know <laughs> Who they're going to pick yeah, well, But just, You're finishing
2: the podcast With a smile on your face like, say, yeah, you, We, turn you. them, we turned them We turn them again The excitement <laughs> I was like, oh, Maybe I will be able to Get it up for this weekend Who knows Oh <laughs> god Luke Keane Thanks so much for joining me That's all we have time for On the left wing this week In association with Ali Thank you so much for listening We'll be back next week With another podcast And in the meantime You can subscribe to us On iTunes, Soundcloud Or listen on Independent.ie So until next week Thank you for listening And goodbye
0: The Left Wing Podcast is in association with Aldi, official supermarket of the IRFU.